Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. All right. Well, welcome to uh, episode number 27 of our Mission Mobilization Chats podcast. We're excited to be uh, starting the podcast episodes again in 2023 uh, and getting launched in this particular uh, episode. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at the concept of God's big picture intent related to scattering, this idea of scattering message bearers or missionaries out uh, from our local ministries. So we're going to look at this concept from Scripture and see what the Bible has to say uh, about this big picture intent on the heart of God. Now, there are many passages that we could consider, and we only have a short, short amount of time. So we're uh, only going to look at uh, two primary passages. But before we get into that, we want to propose that God actually has a much higher number of believers in mind that he actually desires to scatter among unreached people groups. Uh, The church has generally understood the idea of sending maybe one or two sending from my local church and we're kind of satisfied with that. Well, the idea that we're talking about here is that God actually wants to see a lot higher, a lot larger uh, of a number, maybe even up to 20% of believers in our local ministries whom he wills and desires to scatter out uh, to both near and distant cultural peoples with the gospel uh, of the kingdom. Now, in previous uh, episodes, we've already looked at some of the ideas related to the three levels of scattering. Okay, There's three distinct levels of scattering that we highlighted. If that interests you, please go and look that up uh, in the archives. So in this episode, we're actually looking at something a little bit different. We're looking at the potential numbers from Scripture that could be involved in this scattering process that God has uh, on his heart. So let's look at the first uh, passage together. We're going to look at Acts chapter 19. And in Acts chapter 19, Paul is in the city of Ephesus. And in that city, Paul has set up a training school. So he's in the city of Ephesus uh, during this time period in Acts chapter 19 for about three years, all right? So he sets up a training school. We know it as in Scripture as being connected with the school of Tyrannus, right, in Acts chapter 19. Uh, and we can deduce through different passages and, and different uh, parts of the New Testament that this training school was actually purposed to equip house churches that were connected to the church in Ephesus, and they were meant to be trained. These house church uh, lay leaders were being trained in Paul's training school. Now, what was it that he was training them to do? Uh, my belief, and that of many scholars uh, who've looked in depth at this, Paul was training these lay leaders to be scattered out with particular church planting strategies all over Asia Minor. 
Okay, now how do we come to that conclusion? Well, we're told in verse 10 of Acts chapter 19, the results of Paul's training school uh, in the city of Ephesus. And it says this in verse 10, Acts chapter 19. And this continued, what's the this? The this is the training that Paul was uh, imparting to lay leaders on a regular basis, training related to church planting principles that they would go out, they would be scattered out, and they would implement all over uh, Asia Minor. That's what the this is in verse 10. And this, the training, continued for two years. So that during the two-year period, it says, all who dwelt in Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord Jesus. That is staggering if you think about it in its implications. That within a two-year period, all, every human being who lived in the Asia Minor uh, province heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Now, it doesn't say they became believers. Many of them we know did. But the point is they heard and they saw a demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom uh, directly around them. All right. So when we put scripture together in the New Testament, we can conclude that the church in Ephesus that Paul trained in Acts chapter 19, they scattered out multitudes of lay leaders, likely two by two, because that's how Jesus had uh, given the example of when he sent out the 70 and when he sent out the 12, he sent them out two by two, right? Well, Paul would have known that and done the same thing in sending out these lay leaders and lay people uh, to towns and cities all over uh, Asia Minor. And so the implication is they left their homes in Ephesus. They took their families, they took their jobs for an indefinite period of time, and they went into these other towns and cities proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and implementing the church planting principles uh, that Paul had been teaching them. So what was Paul doing here? Well, Paul ministered in Ephesus and he did what he highlighted actually in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 when he taught that the fivefold ministry exists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, he gave a perfect example of that during this three-year time when he was in Ephesus. Okay, so he was equipping the saints in this training school. And then the saints, the believers, the lay leaders, the lay, uh, the lay people, they were going out from Ephesus all over Asia Minor. Doing what? Doing the work of the ministry themselves, implementing these uh, church planting principles. So it's a glorious example. And we know that there must have been a large number. Why? Because... All who dwelt in Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord Jesus. So that tells us that the message bearers, the missionaries, those that were scattered out from the church at Ephesus all over Asia Minor, they were not a small group. They weren't just kind of one missionary being trained or, or two missionaries being trained. No, they were a large number willingly, voluntarily going out all over uh, Asia Minor with the gospel of the kingdom. Now we want to transition and look at a, at a second passage. This one we're going to go into a little bit more depth because it really has some implications for us. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus provides eight parables that are related directly to the kingdom of God. Now, the first parable he gives, many of us have grown up and, and seen this taught as the parable of the sower. 
Okay. Now I like to kind of change that name a little bit to go along with this idea of, uh, uh, of scattering. So instead of parable of the sower, what if we called it the parable of the scatterer? Because that's what Jesus is doing in this parable. He's scattering seed, right? Same thing as sowing. Parable of the sower. He's sowing seed. So we can interpret that as he's the scatterer, which I like to do that for the sake of uh, understanding what he's doing in the Great Commission. So we can call this parable the parable of the scatterer. And what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's teaching his own outlook, his own method on this subject of scattering disciples among all the nations. Now, if viewed correctly, I am convinced that this parable has very, very, very significant missiological implications for us. The problem has been that generally, again, this is my opinion, but uh, I, I've come to this conclusion through a lot of study and studying commentators and credible uh, Bible scholars about this uh, passage. And so I want to submit to you that generally across church history, this parable, very well-known parable, the parable of the sower, the parable of the scatterer, it has generally been misinterpreted. And so we have actually uh, changed its meaning and its interpretation and its application to mean something probably that Jesus never intended it to mean. And so we've actually lost the true meaning. And that's what I want to bring us back to uh, in this episode, in this study. So the parable of Matthew chapter 13, the verse, first parable, the parable of the sower or scatterer, we know it describes a man. Right, And we know from the, uh, Jesus' own interpretations who this man is. It's Jesus. Okay? That's the representation. So it's a man, Jesus, who is scattering seed on ground. Okay? Now what Jesus does in his own interpretation uh, later in Matthew chapter 13, he reveals that the seeds are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God that are being scattered throughout the earth. And they have the word of God that is living and active within them. Or else they would not be sons and daughters of the kingdom. Okay, So who are the seed? They are people. They are believers who have the word of God living and active on the inside of them. Okay, So in this parable, Jesus is actually mostly concerned with the seeds, not the soil. Okay, now that might be new for some of us because most of us have been taught that the whole parable is about the four soils. I'm here to tell you, and many scholars and commentators agree with this, that it's actually not about the four soils. It's actually about four quality of the seeds themselves. Okay, so what is Jesus teaching in terms of the big picture uh, of this parable? So he is highlighting his own uh, method globally in this age, how he is going to advance the kingdom of God until the second coming of Jesus, he lays out in this parable the very uh, method of, of his own work, of Jesus' own work in this age. And what is that method? The method is to scatter sons and daughters of the kingdom into the world who are meant to then produce fruit. Okay, That's his method. 
He scatters us. We're sons and daughters. We have the word of God on the inside of us. And his method is to scatter us into families, into cities, into towns, into ethnic groups. All right. That uh, so that we can bring forth group uh, fruit. I mean, (laughs) now we're going to see that according to Jesus, and this is a bit of a sober reality. We're going to see in this parable that Jesus himself says three fourths of the seeds or three-fourths of the sons and daughters of kingdom of the kingdom or three-fourths of professing believers are going to produce no fruit for the kingdom of God. That is a sober reality that there's a lot of implications to, and we don't necessarily have time to unpack all those implications. Maybe we will uh, in future episodes, all right? So that's what he's getting at. Three-fourths of the seeds or professing believers... Those who are sons and daughters of, ki- of the kingdom, at least at a superficial level, they profess to know God and they profess to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus says here, they don't produce any fruit for the kingdom. All right? Now, to understand this parable rightly, we need to go back to the original language because there's been some things in some of our English translations that haven't been uh, interpreted very, very well or translated very, very well. So the American Standard Version, the ASV version of the Bible, has probably the most accurate translation from the original Greek. Okay, So it states in verse 19, this is just one example that is very crucial to, to get a hold of. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, we have this phrase, and the original Uh, or the original Greek in the American Standard Version states it like this. This is he that was sown by the wayside. This is he that was sown by the wayside. That's the correct translation. Now, the problem is that most of our versions, including my uh, New King James Version right here, most of our versions read it this way. It says, this is he who received seed by the wayside. Okay, so if that's the right translation, this is he who received a seed by the wayside, then of course the focus of the parable is on the soils, not the seed. Okay, but that might not be the correct translation. The much better translation actually flips it and says something entirely different in, in its meaning. The American Standard Version, connected to the original Greek, says it this way, this is he that was sown by the wayside, meaning the seed that was sown. The other way, most versions say it, this is he who received seed, by the way, speaking of the soil. That changes the entire meaning of the parable. Okay, so we want to take note of that important translation uh, issue with this parable. So the he is a believer who has scattered the seed, who has scattered then onto the soil. Actually, the key to rightly understanding this whole parable is that phrase, he that was sown, because it's highlighted four times related to the four seeds. Usually, it's interpreted to relate to the four soils, but that's not what the original Greek actually says. So the key to understanding it accurately is that phrase, he that was sown. Who was sown? Well, the seeds are uh, being sown by the scatterer, Jesus uh, himself. 
All right. So this parable is getting at Jesus's method of bringing forth harvest among all the peoples through scattering seeds. Who are the seeds? They are believers being scattered into every generation. And those believers have internalized the standards of the kingdom of God. That's what they're meant to be as sons and daughters uh, of the kingdom. That's who the seeds are. Now, what Jesus does through the rest of the parable is then describe four types of seeds. Who are the seeds? They're believers. They're us. Okay? They're professing believers. They're sitting in your churches. They're sitting in your campus ministry groups. They say, I'm a Christian. They might be nominal, and we're going to see that in the types of the seeds, but they are at least professing believers. Maybe they're born again. Most probably are, but maybe they're not. They're professing believers, not necessarily true believers, all right? So that's who Jesus is going to describe related to these four seed types, okay? What he's highlighting is actually conditions of believers, of these professing believers, what their actual condition spiritually is actually like, okay? And what are we going to find in these four categories of seeds? Well, we're going to find that three of them, Jesus says, they're negative and they don't actually produce fruit. They've got all these external issues that are attacking them, that are keeping them down from actually producing fruit that Jesus wills believers to, uh, to produce. And then there's one category who are fruitful for the kingdom. So again, three-fourths are, are unfruitful. They're negative. They have, they have problems uh, in their spiritual condition. And then one of the categories uh, are fruitful believers who are seeing the harvest uh, come forth in them and through them. So again, that's a sobering reality. Three-fourths in the world of professing believers produce no fruit according to Jesus himself uh, in this parable. Now let's look at these four seed conditions quickly. The first seed condition says, or is, in verse 19, he that was sown by the wayside. Okay, again, it, it, it was someone who was sown. That's the accurate Greek translation. He that was sown by the wayside. That's the first condition. So who are these believers? Well, they are superficial Christians, right? They hear the words of the kingdom, yet they don't actually go further than hearing it and having a little bit of understanding related to it. Enough understanding that I believe these are born again. Okay. Well, at least they're sitting in our churches and they're hearing it. They're professing believers. Okay. But what does it say then in verse 19? Then comes the evil one and snatches away what has been sown uh, in their heart. Okay. So there's a process that is happening here where they've heard the word of the kingdom. They're sitting in church and they've believed enough. I'm convinced at least they believe enough for salvation, but they did not go further in their discipleship. So one way we can describe this is those believers that take Jesus as savior, but they don't necessarily make him Lord of their lives. So they did not understand God's purpose of discipleship. They did not understand that he, uh, 
a purpose for them and their reason for existence even was to be scattered out for the glory of Jesus among all the people groups so that they can bring forth fruit and a great harvest through their life. They didn't understand any of those points. Okay, They were sown or the seed that was sown uh, on the wayside. Okay, So they're saved, but they're far from what God intended for true believers to walk in. And the scripture says, this parable says, as a result, there's no kingdom influence through their lives. Okay, The second type now of seed or believer is found in verse uh, 5. It says, he that was sown upon the rocky places. Right, He that was sown, again, he that was sown. Okay, That's important to grasp. It's a seed, it's a person, it's a believer. But they were sown into a circumstance, and what's, what Jesus is getting at here is that there's circumstances inside their hearts that are actually keeping them back from being able to proceed correctly in the life of discipleship. They have rocky places inside their hearts. They have character issues that they haven't uh, wrestled with and that they haven't become victorious in. So what does it say? It says, they heard the word. But straight and straightway with joy, they receive it. Okay, so that tells you something. Straight away with joy, they receive the word. So they're a believer. Yet they have no root in themselves. But they endure only for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, straight away they stumble. Uh, it says in verses 20 and 21. So this believer goes a little bit farther than the first that was sown among the wayside. They are familiar with the word of the kingdom and they take joy in it. Okay, There's a joy that erupts inside of them. So that tells me they are truly saved and they are truly born again. But what happened with them? The hardships of life, the persecutions of this age, they come along and they come into these believers and they end up derailing these believers because the believers don't have real roots within themselves in God. Okay, They have not uh, put down a root system in the word of God and in relationship with God. They're saved in the general sense, but they don't really know God in a very intimate way. Uh, kind of way. They have a relationship with him, but it, again, it's superficial. Now, multitude of sin uh, sincere believers, they fall into this group. And they're again, they're sitting in our church uh, services weekly. They go to Bible studies. They're in our prayer meetings, but they're going through the motions, yet not producing any real fruit, according to Jesus. That's why we call them professing believers, superficial believers, but not necessarily going deep. Why again? Because they don't have the roots. And they've not deliberately set the root system uh, in God uh, into their lives. All right. Now the third category, who is the believer that is sown among the thorns? All right. That's the third category or the third seed condition, spiritual condition uh, of these seeds. They're sown among thorns. It says, he that hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, they choke the word out. And again, they become unfruitful. Now these have gone farther than both the first and the second groups of seeds. They're born again, but they are distracted by the cares of money, the cares of power, the cares of social status and position. Okay, These have hindered them 
They have been thorns in their lives and they've hindered them from growing up into spiritual depth, spiritual maturity. Now, again, this is a very common grouping in the body of Christ around the world. And Jesus himself again says they are unfruitful before the Lord. So they heard the word, they received it, but they did not go on in growth in God. Why? The previous groups allowed, or they did not have rootedness in themselves, in relationship with God. This group's a little different. They allow the distractions, the deceitfulness of of money, power, social status, all these other things. Those are the things that choke out the word. Worries and anxieties, they they consume these kinds of believers. And the believer isn't gaining victory uh, over them. So those are the three negative. Now let's go to the one positive grouping. Finally, Jesus says, Uh, We have another group. He that was sown upon the good ground. Who are these guys? They obey the word of the kingdom and they yield to the rule and reign of the king in their lives. The other three categories did not do that. They were professing believers. They were sitting in churches, but they had not made the choices to say, Lord, you are king. I lay my life down. I surrender my will and I take up your will. I want your rule and reign. I want your lordship in my life. The previous three groups did not do that. But this, the, uh, the seed that was sown upon the good ground, they are doing this. They yield to the king and to his uh, kingdom. So the word of God for them or the word of the kingdom has been applied into their lives through the spirit. The previous three categories, this had not happened. Why? No rootedness. Why? All the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world and all these things. They did not allow the word to be applied effectively into their lives through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So these, this category of believer, the, uh, the seed on good ground, right? They actually produce fruit in their generation that they are scattered in by the Lord. All right. So this is the category of fruitful professing believers uh, that are throughout the whole global body of Christ. Now, there are very significant implications for the great commission in this parable. Many that we could highlight. I want to focus on one for the sake of this episode. Okay, we want to pull now this parable out of the abstract a little bit. It's easy to kind of leave it. These four seed categories of conditions among believers. It's easy to see that in kind of the abstract way. Well, we want to pull it out of the abstract. We want to give it some practical feet, some practical applications so that we can help uh, or to help us see some mission and mobilization implications of what Jesus is actually getting at here, all right? So we're going to pull this out of the abstract and make it uh, a little bit more clear for our understanding, okay? We're going to look at some numbers with this. So you're going to need to put your mathematics hat on. I'm not very good at math myself. I never got very good marks in math when I was in school, all right? So maybe you, you might have to check my math a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're going to talk about some math though. All right, so current statistics tell us some things. Current statistics tell us that there are just over 2.5 billion Christians 
on the planet, okay, on earth, all right? Remember that number, 2.5 billion Christians, okay? Now, again, this is a big category of who is uh, defined as Christian, okay? Just like Jesus gave us four different categories, we're going to need to remember that, all right? So many of these will be professing Christians, professing believers, many of them nominal Okay, not necessarily true believers, many of them born again, but like the three uh, seeds, they haven't gone on into maturity the way uh, that God would have it. All right, so 2.5 billion Christians. Now, if we take Jesus's teaching literally in this parable, that three-fourths of Christians who are scattered by Jesus for his glory, they produce no fruit, okay? So what would this number be? Three-fourths of believers, 2.5 billion Christians on the earth that we just said. If we take this number, three-fourths of that number, 2.5 billion, that are believers that don't produce any fruit. Okay, what do we come up with? Well, that leaves us with a total of 1.87 billion uh, unfruitful Christians. Okay, believers who are in name only, believers who are pre professing believers, but aren't necessarily living the life. They don't have the rootedness. Okay, they're allowing the cares of this world to choke out their true discipleship. All right, that leaves us 1.87 billion unfruitful Christians. All right, now a little bit of math here again. So we start with 2.5 billion total Christians, 1.87 billion of those 2.5 billion are unfruitful. What does that leave us with? Okay, That leaves us, when we minus out the three-fourths of believers who are scattered that are unfruitful, Okay, that leaves us potentially about 620 million believers who are in the category now of fruitful Christians, fruitful believers, the one-fourth that Jesus said were seeds scattered or sown on the good ground, okay? 620 million fruitful believers right now across the earth who have been scattered by the Lord into their environments and who have now the potential to be scattered even further among unreached people groups. They're producing fruitfulness through their lives and ministries, okay? 620 million believers in the earth, okay? Are you catching me, okay? I know, a little bit of math we got to put on here, all right? So we started with 2.5 billion believers. We minus or we subtracted three-fourths of that number that Jesus says are unfruitful, Okay, so what does that leave us with? 1.87 billion unfruitful Christians. Now, if we subtract uh, that 1.87 from the 2.5 billion, that leaves us with 620 million believers. That's how we get that number, 620 million believers who are now what Jesus called, because he said about one-fourth, uh, only the, the seeds that are sown on good ground are the ones who are producing fruit. The others are Christians in name only, but they're nominal. They're professing Christians, not true disciples of Jesus. Now, I want you to pause for a moment. I want you to let that sink in, that number of faithful, fruitful believers in the earth right now. 
according to Jesus's mathematics here, or the fact that he says one quarter are going to be fruitful, three quarters, according to what he said, are not going to be uh, fruitful. Pause for a moment. 620 million fruitful believers in local ministries globally are being scattered now out in the three levels of scattering that we already talked about in previous episodes. Level one, two, and three level scattering from their local ministries. Now, if we apply another math number to this, so about 620 million fruitful believers. Now, if we take, we've said that maybe 20% of our local ministries, 20% could become activated in level two and level three scattering or sending uh, to uh, what do we call that? To um, near culture people groups and to distant culture people groups, all right? 20% of a church, so that's 20. Uh, if it's a church of 100, it's 20 people. If it's a church of 1,000, it's about 100 people, okay? 20% of members. We're just throwing that number out there because we believe the Lord wants to increase the number of message bearers dramatically, all right? So if we use that 20% number, and if we apply that now to this number of, of fruitful, fruitful believers that we just highlighted, 620 million fruitful believers. If we say about 20% of those 620 million are being activated now in level two and level three scattering, what would that mean? What's the number now, 20% of 620 million fruitful believers in the earth that are being scattered now in level two and level three? That means to distant uh, or to near culture people groups and then to distant culture people groups near us and then far away from, uh, from us. What's that number now? 20% of 620 million. That number is 124 million believers. Okay, so that tells us that there could be, if we follow all this logic, if we follow all this, that the parable that Jesus is laying out, three-fourths of believers are not fruitful, one-quarter of believers are fruitful, you take 20% then of those fruitful believers that can be sent out, scattered out in level two and level three scattering as we propose, that could mean a number of about 124 million fruitful message bearers who are engaged in ministry among near and distant cultural people. Why? Because of their choices uh, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus. Just imagine that impact. 124 million people being scattered out in level two and level three scattering. That's the 20% who are scattering out to plant churches, to see people movements in near culture situations and in distant culture situations. Now compare this number, that number of 124 million fruitful message bearers scattered out in level two and level three scattering, compare that number with the current number of missionary workers around the world. That current number of missionary workers around the world, we know from research, the current number is about 430,000 uh, missionary workers, long-term message bearer workers serving around the world. 430, 
uh, 430,000 workers. Okay, that's glory. We praise the Lord for that. But what we're recognizing, I hope, is that the Lord actually intends it to be a lot higher. And if we take these numbers literally, I'm not saying we should, but they do give us a grid. They do make us go, huh, wow, maybe we've been looking too small. So 430,000 is the current number, but the potential number, according to our numbers that we've just broken down, is 124 million fruitful message bearers who could be sent out in level two and three scattering from our local ministries in every nation of the world. Wow, that's exciting. Now this is where the Lord is taking his church by faith. Yet we know that such a large number of fruitful uh, message bearers across the global church, they've not yet been activated. 124 million, they don't even know that they could be scattered out in level one and two scattering because they've not heard this message of mission mobilization. That's why we're including this in our mission mobilization chats because it's fundamental that the church begin to prioritize mission mobilization so that we can see this, this large number that the Holy Spirit and that Jesus wills are brought forth for the sake of seeing their lives spent on unreached people groups, seeing their lives spent uh, in fulfillment of the Great Commission. So this is Jesus's purpose, that a large number uh, are sent forth and they need to be mobilized in our local ministries through this idea of mission mobilization movements that we've talked about before, mobilizing them from their local ministries. No longer one or two missionaries, 20% of your local church potentially being mobilized and sent out in level two and level three uh, scattering for the sake of Jesus's kingdom. Now to see this mobilization happen, we need new paradigms. We need to change our business as usual models and push some of those aside and embrace a comprehensive idea of mobilization where we're mobilizing the whole church to be engaged and involved through their roles so that this 20% can actually emerge in time uh, and by the Holy Spirit's guidance. All right, I'm going to close with that. I know we've thrown out a lot. Uh, go crunch those numbers on your own. Uh, but I believe those numbers very strongly hold up and that they reveal something by the Spirit that the Lord is wanting to bring forth. This big picture intent on the heart of God and uh, through Scripture itself revealing, I have a purpose to bring forth a great number, greater than you've ever even thought about. Okay? We need to allow the Spirit to expand our thinking a little bit. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, these passages that we've looked at that show us your intent that is much bigger than our sometimes small-mindedness, Lord, when it comes to missions. Lord, you want to blow our ideas uh, up. Lord, you want to blow our little thinking out of the water so that you can replace it with your big picture thinking. Lord, that we might see the fulfillment of the Great Commission in our day. How will we see that? By seeing these fruitful believers 
whom you have ordained, raised up and sent out, scattered out these 20% from every one of our local ministries. Oh God, help us. We are so far off of this right now, but we know that the spirit is calling us forth and enabling and equipping us, Lord, to envision greater things than we've ever thought possible. Lord, we thank you because you are the Lord of the harvest. You're the head of the church who's orchestrating all this. We give you great praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you as you start your 2023. Have a great week. To listen to more Mission Mobilization Chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.